Finding the right cleat can be transformative. Believe me, I've worn plenty during my career. So getting the right balance is crucial. The cleat needs to feel good on your foot, but also feel good connecting with the ball. The New Balance Furon 7 Plus is built with both of those points in mind, offering overall comfort and precise striking in the game's fastest moments. Because, as I learned the hard way, because I didn't possess much of it, speed matters in soccer. That's why the Furon 7 Plus is built for accuracy and precision at rapid pace and is engineered specifically for use on firm ground. Why is this the ideal cleat, I hear you ask? Well, not to get too scientific, but the Furon 7 Plus offers a lightweight yet supportive hypo-knit with mesh lining upper construction and is paired with offset lacing for a truer strike of the ball, which is a long way of me saying that your game will immediately get better when these are on your feet. Learn more and purchase the Furon at NewBalance.com. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Hello and welcome into Attacking Third. I'm Sandra Herrera, lead NWSL writer for CBS Sports. Joined today, as always, by my colleague and co-host, Lisa Roman, broadcaster and analyst for CBS Sports. On today's segment, we're chatting all things news and notes across the globe of women's soccer. Can't wait to get into it. Before we do, quick reminder, leave us a rating and review on your favorite podcast platform. We're also on YouTube. Subscribe to us right here at youtube.com slash attacking third to get all sorts of exclusive content, previews, recaps, interviews, all right here with us on A3. The NWSL regular season is in full swing and Paramount Plus is your home for the 2023 NWSL season. And Paramount Plus is giving away one free month to kickstart you for the NWSL season. So use promo code NWSL2023. That's NWSL2023 for one free month of Paramount Plus. We've got a lot of things to get into today. We've got some NWSL news. We've got an expansion team to talk about. <laughs> we've got some Women's Super League updates to give. we got an international window coming up. There's a lot to get through, Lisa. I'm happy to do it with you. How you There's doing? so much to talk about today. I mean, we're really hitting every single corner of the globe when we talk about football today. Um, of course, we're going to start locally in the States, in the West Coast, with expansion news out of the NWSL. But, of course, it's good to chat with you about this. Um, we're actually hitting on a lot of fun things today, too, because we get to do a little kit fashion. We get to talk about expansion. There's a lot of good things in today's episode. So thanks, everyone, for joining us. If you're with us live on YouTube, we, we appreciate it. Um, it's, it's a good week. Let's get into it because there's a lot. Our rundown is hefty today. Oh yeah, we want to make we want to make sure we get this in uh, and touch on all the different topics that we've got in uh, in our content plan here. We have to start with probably the the biggest news of the week. The the week kicked off really with with the the news of expansion for NWSL. It's coming back to the Bay Area. The NWSL officially announced that they have awarded expansion to the Bay Area. They will become the 14th team in the NWSL in the 2024 season. The team's ownership group, the investment, is really led by Sixth Street, uh, partnered with four former United States women's national team members, Brandi Chastain, Leslie Osborne, Daniel Slayton, and Allie Wagner. It is a record expansion fee of $53 million, a total $125 million investment for this group coming in. It is an exciting time uh, for California. It is the third California team in just two years uh, to get introduced into the league. And I think now you can look at that uh, very great, very long, large state and say, okay, we've got, uh, we're going to have NWSL markets uh, throughout uh, uh, California. And um, 
it, we kind of felt like maybe this was going to get announced, you know, sooner rather than later. Um, I, I my immediate reaction to this, Lisa, I, it, it threw me all the way back uh, to when you and I had a great conversation with Brandy Chastain and Allie Wagner about all things uh, Bay Area and the possibility of its return uh, to NWSL. And it's official. They're here. <laughs> it is very, very official. Um, this announcement coming early Tuesday morning yesterday, uh, April 4th, and really exciting time. As, as you mentioned, uh, Leslie Osborne, Ali Wagner, uh, Danielle Slayton, um, Brandy Chastain, like these are incredible trailblazers. And yes, they all went to Santa Clara, (laughs) the Bay Area. Um, But that's then where they, uh, most of them have decided to settle down and kind of start their lives because that's how much the area means to them. And even when when we talked to uh, Brandy Chastain and Allie Wagner uh, about like eight or nine months ago in June last year, we had them on right when the very small inception of NWSL to the Bay Area became an idea. They talked so much about how they saw Angel City and what they did with multiple investors and how they could start something from the ground up. It didn't have to be um, where a club formerly was, and, and that's how the expansion would happen. They were inspired. They talked to Julie Foudy and, and Julie Ehrman and other investors at Angel City and kind of said, hey, what was your foundation? How did you do this? Because we've got ideas and we want to do this. And it's a very cool and inspiring, I think, for me that they were able to have this small inception of idea, like let's bring professional women's football to the Bay Area outside of San Francisco. And now they're able to do it. And and to for this to become um, the 14th expansion team in the NWSL is also pretty pretty incredible uh, for this league to continue to grow. And, and you talked about the it's pretty much all made possible because of Sixth Street, which is an investment firm. Yeah. And they have a lot of investments in in like so many different sporting things around the world. The Dallas Cowboys, the San Antonio Spurs, I think Real Madrid. Like they touch every single corner of the sporting world. And the fact that they are uh, inspired by the NWSL and women's football in America is just proves how much it's going to grow. And like, we don't even have to talk about that here because if you like Sandra and I are on the same page and if you listen to us and you join us live, you're already aware that women's soccer is the bomb. So like, you don't need to be convinced of that. But the fact that I think the numbers are very, very interesting because this is $53 million that this team and this group, Sixth Street, is spending on this league expansion. Most recent team to be expanded, Kansas City, $5 million. That's almost 10 times more money than Kansas City in 2021. And the growth and like that just shows how lucrative this is and how and the amount of time you're leaving out the timeline. We're talking like a couple years, like Kansas yeah. City's inclusion into the league. 2021. It was in 2021. And we're we're looking ahead to 2024. So in just like a two to three year span to go from five million to like you said, five over five times that amount. Um, it's unreal. It's, it's a record breaking moment. Um, I think it sends a certain message to really uh, other, other markets out there that are interested or even curious about, uh, getting a foothold within the league. You better come correct when yeah. you're coming with a bid to this league. It can't, can't be. It's not, uh, it's, it's not in the single digits anymore. No, exactly. This is, it's a very lucrative project and it's only going to get more and more um, expensive, right? As the, as the year go, as the years go on, as the bar is raised for the type of facilities that are needed uh, to have an NWSL team. Um, But with all of this announcements, uh, Jessica Berman and, and the NWSL actually made their first statement in acknowledging the goal of how many teams the league wants to have because um, at the draft in January at, at media availability, they kind of said, yeah, we, there's no, there's no limit. We don't know. Uh, of course, why reveal your cards that early on? But now that we've got 13 in Utah, 14 in the Bay area expansion sides, um, they, they put out a statement saying that the NWSL remains engaged in the expansion process with eyes towards adding a 15th team and a 16th team. Um, so that's the first time that we've really heard 
a goal of 16 expansion sides, which to go from 12 to 16 in, in the matter of years is fantastic because 2024 we'll see the inclusion of Utah and Bay area. But um, the fact that they want to get to 16 is fantastic. It's the, the NWSL is all over the country. It's amazing. Yeah. It's so, it's some look, you know, we have the map up right now if you're joining us on, on YouTube and that's what I'm reacting to. But you, you take a look at that literal West Coast all the way up top, starting with the Pacific Northwest and now all the way down through to San Diego. Five teams lining up on the West Coast, but, you know, match that up with uh, with the East Coast as well um, and the possibilities there. And hopefully we get to see some you know, some more teams sprinkled in the middle, you know, just mm -hmm. speaking as a Midwesterner, we'll see. But like I said, like I mentioned already, like these these bids that came in, even for just these these more recent announcements of expansions, right? This this announcement of, of the Bay Area's return comes like just a few weeks after the official return of Utah Royals. Um, and prior to these two announcements, when you and I were in D.C. for the 2022 championship, there was still a lot of chatter um, about expansion. And even then, Commissioner Berman saying, hey, we've got a lot of bids to yeah. go through. We have to comb through them. We have to narrow them down because there's so many. So um, I, I would I would imagine that after this round of expansion and, and them making a specific note in their release about keeping an eye on the future for a possible 15th and 16th team, um, that those conversations took place with with those um, with those markets that presented bids, where it's like if if maybe here's some areas where you need to work on if you want to resubmit a bid in right. the future. But it's an exciting time. I think expansion always you know gets folks excited and re uh, reinvigorated about uh, the league, and it, it does sort of like you you mentioned it was last June that we had this interview with Wagner and Chastain and to just sort of see all this come full circle it's 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 exciting and i think the thing the other remaining things that will come with this announcement right i think you're going to look at what is potentially going to be their club name you know the the right. announcement of colors a crest you know all of that kind of stuff the the hires that they might make to help navigate and uh, plan and grow uh, a roster you know the the GM role, the head coach role, the coaching staff, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but uh, I think very, you know, targeted kind of smart way to to, to roll out this this investment. Um, former players knowing that they they mm -hmm. needed to make sure that they were partnered with a a, a pretty lucrative and expand uh, expansive yeah. uh, ownership group. So to link up with the Sixth Street investors and then partnered with the national team um, players and and putting out how they are going to have you know, specific members on the board, who's going to represent the governing board. Um, there was a lot of, I think they did a good job, I think, within this announcement to answer a lot of those preliminary questions that come from a, a new team. Like, who are the faces? Who are who, right. who are the, who are the names behind the ownership groups? Who's going to have those responsibilities on the governing board? You know, a co-chair, et cetera, et cetera. Um, we've got everything written up for you on .com. So make sure, you know, when you're looking up your, your NWSL news, you check out cbssports.com yeah. uh, uh, and uh, you can get all that information. We, we break it down by the ownership group. You can see who's involved in it and uh, a little bit of the history too, because that is where my reaction went to as well. I was like, wow, like it's coming back. The Bay Area has typically been a part of uh, the previous uh, women's professional soccer leagues that have existed uh, in, in, in this country, whether it was WUSA or WPS. I'm rocking my cyber weight, my yes. race scarf right now on the wall um, just because I was just so excited uh, to just for, for the announcement, very excited for the players who've been, yeah. uh, who've been attached to the project, you know, and uh, have been and working towards getting this moment and getting this decision announced. Um, it's, and it's so exciting and it's so fast, honestly, it's so <laughs> fast because January, 2024 is when players, a yeah. team coach will report to the Bay yep. area for preseason. That is less than a year. 2024 oh. is next, literally next year. <laughs> literally next January. Next January is when the players will report. So like, there's a lot to do. There's a lot to do between now and then. The fact that it's getting announced in April, 
um, three weeks into the NWSL season. And, and these investors, they, everyone involved has to, they've got to pick it up now. I mean, there's a lot of work to come of them. And, and they talked about it. They had press conferences yesterday about this and they knew that they want to build from the ground up and man, it starts today, get the hammer and nail out because January, 2024 is going to come very fast. (laughs) And we'll have all sorts of updates for everyone along the way and our reactions to it. Of course, Uh, we also want to um, give a reaction to another bit of news different from expansion, but felt it was important to talk about on the show uh, happening over the course of, of week two. And we wanted to, to give it it's, you know, it's, it's, proper and due spotlight in our news and notes segment. So we're going to chat a little bit about the recent allegations uh, that were floating around really on, on social media, uh, primarily by Nicole Mines, the mom of Micaiah Mines, a recent uh, 2023 uh, draft pick and a pretty pretty serious allegations here. Um, uh, the defender was selected number 35 overall uh, by Kansas City Current. And within this lengthy statement, there's a lot of concerns throughout it, basically about mistreatment um, that Micaiah suffered um, while she was trying to navigate her uh, preseason with Kansas City Current specifically. And within it, it talks about just the lack of care, lack of logistics, really, um, for this player as she tried to make a place for herself on, on a team. I think you get you get drafted, you that's you check off box one of trying to maybe, you know, pursue a dream that you have. Mm-hmm. And that next step is you get an invite in, into a preseason um, with the team that drafted you and, and you try to go ahead and, and make a name for yourself. You try to go ahead and crack that, that roster. Um, but two very different experiences that um, Nicole Mines highlights within this, because uh, Micaiah ends up having a, what she considers a, a very poor experience with, with Kansas city, but then also has a different experience with Orlando pride. And I think that's important to know within this. And it, there's a lot of concerns, I think um, to know within this, because I think as, um, the public got wind of this note, uh, a lot of red flags went up because we're essentially in, in year two, I believe, of of the NWSL CBA. And there are things within this where you're like, this doesn't, this actually doesn't line up with what some of the protocols and procedures are supposed to happen now with new players as they, as they enter the league. And I think that's where folks are looking at and they have those concerns. Um, we did, there, there was um, a small uh, a small statement from the players union that they said they are aware of it, that they want to continue to investigate those allegations. Um, there was reporting out of Kansas City with a statement uh, from Jessica Berman, um, who was at Kansas City's home opener. Um, Meg Lenahan reporting um, that Berman was quoted as saying, I was on the plane yesterday flying to Kansas City when the post came out and it was immediately brought to my attention. When I landed, I called Megan Burke, who is the executive director of the PA. Um, I spoke to Angie and Chris Long, owners of Kansas City Current, and we were on the phone very early this morning, all parties together. We share a commitment in that we all take this really seriously. We want to understand what happened in this circumstance. We're incredibly sad that that was her experience, and we want to see how we can improve in the future and learn from this. So I have a lot of confidence with the people that are around the table, both proactively to create positive environments, as well as for the people who are prepared to be responsive in real time when there are challenges and we're committed to seeing it through. Um, so that that's really where things are at right now. There hasn't been a further um, announcement about details of an investigation or results of that. Um, but just, just really, really sucks to see that this is like kind of still an experience that a player has to, right. to go through in light of some of the strides that have been made in the buildup to this season. Yeah, I mean, really devastating um, that these allegations, right? Like having... Uh, to not feel supported or, or, or accepted by a team that you were drafted by, meaning that they have a, a little bit of interest in you. Um, I think there's still more to this story to come um, because the statements that came out were from uh, Micaiah's mom. And it was text written, uh, put out by social media from her Twitter, uh, kind of written as a letter stating like to whom it may concern. So it wasn't 
uh, directed necessarily at the league or at Kansas City. I think it was more just kind of um, Nicole Minnis putting this out there for people to see as in to whom it may concern. And the fact that it did gain a lot of traction and and there are some questions being asked, um, the fact that media did their due diligence to ask Jessica Berman about this situation, to ask Matt Potter, uh, the Kansas City current head coach, about this situation and, and what is to happen. Um, I mean, we've seen how the NWSLPA has handled situations like this in the past. And, I, and I'm talking specifically about the PA, not the league, not individual clubs, but the PA. And they support and they have the backs of their players, um, whether they played for one day in preseason, whether they were drafted and never showed up. Um, I'm not sure the specific limitations there, but it seems as though the PA is involved. And if this is something that has been reoccurring, it's the first time it happened, or maybe it was a one-off thing, or maybe the allegations are, are a little bit different than initially laid out there, there's still something to be uncovered there to make sure this yeah. doesn't happen moving forward. And that's the point of the CBA. And that's the point of the NWSL PA. Um, so more to come from this yeah. story for sure. There will be more that has happened. Um, hopefully we hear directly from the league, directly from Kansas City about this experience and about these allegations. Um, but yeah, I think it's very interesting that in the statement, um, Minnis talks about the the parity between the Kansas City current experience and the Orlando Pride experience. Uh, experience because after she was at Kansas City for preseason and she ultimately got cut, she tried to be a non-roster invite to Orlando. And she was only there for a couple days before she decided she needed to take a step back and, and own personal decision to say, I need to put my mental health and my physical health first. I'm not going to go forward with this. Um, but the fact that she still was able to have both those experiences is interesting. And I think it tells a different story than just the the one experience of going to one club. Yeah, it's um, it, it was tough to to read that. I was just like, God, like, you know, here's here's a, another bad experience. I think I think that's also something to maybe put in perspective. I think a, a lot of times, especially coming off these last two years of covering the leagues, I think a lot of times there's a there's a instant reaction or an, a, a sort of an instinctual kind of jump that people make it's like scandal and you like throw it on you like mm -hmm. slap it on there uh, immediately and um i think like you said i think there's still actually there's multiple like moving parts of this right now and yeah. there's just not a lot of information other than what is out there at the moment um but you know even 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 if the supporters group sort of putting their voice on it as well um when it comes to to Kansas City you know as, as a franchise as a whole just they made reference to the fact that it was a tough week for them as supporters because they heard now two different allegations of, of poor experiences um Lynn Williams has a podcast mm -hmm. Lynn Williams going on snacks and then talking a little bit about um her trade from from Kansas City to Gotham and how that was not <laughs> exactly what would one could consider a, a pleasant uh, experience and the supporters um, putting their voice on it, right. And saying, Hey, this is now twice in a week where we're hearing um, poor player experiences. We hope, you know, that um, this, this gets looked into and um, I, I, it is, I think at, at this point, and that'll be sort of the next phase of this for us to, to sort of see what comes of it and the reactions that, um, you know, we're, we're going to have on that um, as well. So, Stay tuned, right, for, for this at the moment. Um, but even though um, we've got expansion and then we've got a, that little bit of Kansas City current news to chat about, we've got to talk about some news coming out of Orlando. Even though there's two weeks already that have gone by in regular season play, there's still moves to be made. I feel like we were just talking about this on a news, our previous News and Notes episode where there was a trade between Angel City and Orlando Pride. And part of that was uh, $70,000 going one way and then an international spot going the other. And here we have Orlando Pride with the announcement that they have signed Canadian forward Amanda Allen, her first professional contract for the 18-year-old with the Orlando Pride. 
bulking up uh, maybe some extra pieces for the attack there. Um, and I can't, I think at this point we can hardly blame him, right? We, yeah. like I said, we're talking about two weeks. They're coming off of some, some frustrating results and uh, looks like Seb Hines and Haley Carter are looking at different areas and ways to try and continue to build up their roster. But another young piece I think is, yes. is maybe the important component here. There's um, it's, it's one, it's just an, another perhaps, player that you can build with and around mm-hmm. because they, they've already got a little uh, a little bit of a young core right now um at Orlando Pride and the length of this contract I think too is something to yes to know. I agree I think the fact that it's a three-year contract through the 2025 season is massive for this 18 year old um uh, Alan also most recently getting called up to the senior national team with Canada soccer um so currently training with them as as it is an international window and this will be your first senior national team call up but she has so much uh, youth Canada experience, right? She in 2022 at the CONCACAF um, U17 championship, she won bronze in the DR. Uh, she scored goals throughout that. I mean, this is definitely a big attacking piece that Orlando looks to add to their roster. But again, it's young. I mean, when when we did our team by team previews, we talked about Orlando and how they are a team that is in the rebuild phase. And they've now got Seb Hines as the head coach, and it'll be his first full year at the helm of Orlando. But can they lay down the first level of foundation to continue to build or is it going to be a back to ground zero and sometimes I have questions when I look at a young player like Amanda Allen being just 18 years old and how much is is that going to impact the team this year and although Allen is incredibly talented and she's got international experience. There's, it's a lot to be said to ask an 18 year old to kind of use the team to build around them. So still a lot of question marks out of Orlando, but this is a step in a great direction. I think the future is very bright for Allen in the NWSL um, and with Orlando for sure. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's a good piece. I think it's a smart pickup. I think if if the idea is that you're fully taking that real first step into a a rebuild for the pride, you maybe want to build around young players who are going to be bought into this kind of longer term project. Um, I mean, if she's, if she's already playing at the international level, I would imagine that this is a player that's likely ready to, to go pro and take that next step. So uh, I like it. I'm excited um, for, for the deal um, and curious about it as well uh, in terms of where maybe coach Hines uh, has, you know, can see where this player is going to get, get plugged in for the team. Um, but that's, we likely won't see that until well after the international break. So we'll stay, we'll stay tuned um, on that. And we've got more to chat about because we're mentioning the international break. So, you know, we're going to take things international. So stick with us after a quick break. It's only a kick, a jump, a block, It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, we're back. Let's chat all things women's Super League. What's going on in WSL? I think we got to start with Sam Kerr. That's where we got to start. We got to start with Sam Kerr and 50 goals in Barclays Women's Super League. The ninth player to reach this accolade. What a time. How exciting for Sam Kerr. Um, It's amazing. She's just the ninth player to reach 50 Super League goals. She is the second quickest after uh, Miedema and only the second player uh, with Chelsea to do so after Fran Kirby. Um, The fact, though, is that Sam Kerr has only been in the Super League for three years. (laughs) And she reaches this 50-goal record. I mean, we saw her in 62 appearances over three years, 50 goals. 
That's incredible. Those stats are incredible. And now NWSL fans that saw Kerr play in the NWSL and and with Chicago specifically, like they know what Kerr can do and they know how many records she can break. Um, but this is just fantastic. We had to highlight it that the, a legend, Sam Kerr, for sure. I mean, Kerr has you, look, you're talking about the timeline, right? Three years already reaching this goal in, in women's super league. And guess what? Three years away from NWSL and no one is coming close to breaking the 77 goals that she racked up while here uh, in the United States and playing for multiple different teams in NWSL. So I'm, I'm curious, um, if we'll see players get closer to that, right? We've already talked about Lynn Williams. I think we're keeping an eye on on Alex Morgan. I mean, we were just talking about Sylvia Smith, the youngest player to reach 25 goals in the fastest way possible. I mean, only a, a few years uh, for Sophia Smith in the league as well. So we'll see. I, I think, look, we're talking a lot about expansion. We're talking about a lot of other things. I mean, Sam Kerr locked up on a contract with, with Chelsea, um, through June 2024, I believe. Mm-hmm. And and uh, look, anything is possible. And maybe Sam Kerr wants to rack up more goals in Women's Super League, or maybe she might want to come back to, to NWSL uh, and rack up even more goals back here, mentioning in an interview, I think, not too long ago, saying like she eventually along the line, she'd like to get somewhere warm. And uh, with not, <laughs> there's, one, two, now three uh, possible California teams. Uh, I'm just gonna let's let's have fun with it and put it out there now. Sam Kerr to the Bay. Let's see. Let's see what yes. happens there. Yes, yes, I love that. I mean, I think it's possible because Sam Kerr. Yeah, she holds the record for NWSL goals. Um, Lynn Williams, I think, is right behind her at like yeah. 79. Sam Kerr at 77, and then uh, 59 at Lynn Williams, and then uh, Christine Sinclair, I think, is also at 59. They're tied for a second right now. Jess McDonald old Alex Morgan they're all right there at the top of the list but perhaps Sam will play like one like right she'll finish this year in the Super League she'll rack up obviously a couple more (laughs) goals um she'll just dominate in the Super League then she'll come back I love it Kerr to the Bay Area I'm all about it and then she'll she will never lose her title of of most goals in the NWSL (laughs) because she'll return before anyone can do it uh, look okay. at us just causing chaos early in the morning. <laughs> uh, and, you know, it's like if we got to go live. We might as well be a little uh, chaotic. But look, she's got I think she's got some things on her on her European to do list. Um, yeah. And one of those might be uh, chasing a Champions League title. Um, and Chelsea is fully in the mix for that. And we'll have to stay tuned and see how that works out for the Blues, but congratulations to Sam Kerr. We're going to keep it international. We want to talk a little bit about how Sweden uh, is now the host of the 2025 UEFA Women's Euro. Um, That's an exciting time. We just came out of of a very cool and awesome Euro experience just last summer. And now Sweden get the honors to host that tournament. I have to imagine that uh, after witnessing all the soccer that came out of the tournament last summer, uh, multiple host cities were eager to try to get their their stamp on this tournament. But uh, going to Switzerland. Yeah, I think there was three major bids ultimately uh, to get the women's Euro um, and Switzerland, of course, beating out the other three bids. It, it'll be a 16 team event, as always, uh, in the women's Euros. Um, the last time Switzerland hosted any major soccer football tournament was in 20. Uh, excuse me, in 2008. Well, I'm so used to saying like 2023. Um, so that was the men's Euros alongside Australia where they co-hosted. So this time it'll just be Switzerland. Um, very historic, really exciting. Like it's hopefully, uh, this is how like the the league and, or excuse me, like the global game of football continues to develop and grow. Um, if we can get it in Switzerland and we are, it's 2025. That'll be, it'll be a big year. I'm excited for it. Sooner than we think too. Maybe we're going to have, yeah, I know we're talking about expansion in 2024 and it's just like, oh, that's just next year. And so that means we'll have eyes on Switzerland just the year after. So it's like not, it's just definitely not like this very like long and like too long into the future lens that we're staring down. But uh, I'm excited for it. Hope we get uh, 
not a repeat, but uh, an even better version, right, of what we witnessed uh, in the Euros last summer. Let's chat a little bit about France because uh, we need to talk about their new team manager. Renard, the new France team manager already, um, you know, making making some smiles happen. Let's just let's just call it like we see it, because when this roster dropped for uh, France, there were a lot of familiar names on there. Um, Probably the biggest one is uh, Wendy Renard. And uh, there was a lovely image of the two of them meeting <laughs> and shaking hands <laughs> as the camps were kicking out. There you go. We got it up for you on our on our on our YouTube episode. But, uh, you know, I just um, I feel like that's maybe just the beginning, which is wild to think about because this team is trying to prepare for a World Cup yeah. that's going to kick off in July. And it is April that they're all getting to meet and, and gather together for the first time. Um, but, you know, this we, we've seen or heard that this is this is a, a program and a coach that is interested in, in, in continuing to sort of mend some of those broken relationships from, mm-hmm. you know, former prominent veteran players. I mean, Eugenie Le Sommer is She's also back. Back in this camp. You know, this was a player who had had, you know, an extended absence and, and had no longer received call-ups uh, from previous manager um, Diakri. And and so just a couple of those, like just looking at those two players and making their return, I mean, I, I would anticipate that he might want to get somebody like Amandi Henri involved um, in these camps as well. Someone, another one of the players who was um, kind of vocal about uh, the not so good experiences uh, or, you know, discomfort that they felt by the current culture at the time. Um, and another player who had no longer received call-ups as well into this one. So yeah. I think just looking at that initial um, list of, of players for this training camp, the fact that it was going to have a Wendy Renard, the fact that it was going to have a Eugenie Le Sommer back into the mix, I think was already really promising um, for this group and their build up to the World Cup. So I think right now, maybe it's just a matter of like how quickly, you know, they're all going to get on, uh, get on the same page essentially. Yeah, I, that's really it because um, it happens so fast. I mean, I feel like we've been talking about the FFF for uh, weeks now, but um, have Renard basically resigned from being the Saudi Arabia men's head coach. And then it was announced on Thursday of last week that Renard would be the new French Federation women's national team head coach through this year. Friday, he announced his roster. So already the, the conversations, I mean, and we talked about Wendy Renard and how she said, if hey, if Corinne Diacre is out and it's Renard in, like that's a different story. That's that's a different situation. And um, immediately after it was announced on Thursday, the response from a lot of the French women's players were that they were happy with this decision. They It was mainly that they didn't want to play under Diacre, which we know they came out and they were very, very vocal about that. And Diacre removing prominent players from the roster like Le Sommer and the fact that after 24 hours after being named the French head coach he has already welcomed back in someone like Wendy Renard Eugenie Le Sommer I think that this although it's such a quick turnaround between April 3rd right April 4th and all of this happening to the World Cup that kicks off July 20th, the fact that there's already immediate steps being taken in the first 24 hours after this head coach is named, I think is a very, very, very good sign for France, for the fan base, for this team. Now, can they get all on the same page? How much is going to change? There are still a lot of question marks to come, but some of these answers will be made clear because France has friendlies coming up during this international window that's right now. So April 7th, France will play against Colombia and then on April 11th against Canada, the Olympic champions. So two really good tests of uh, this France team and kind of how they come, but how, how they come about, but I'm, I'm happy for them. I am. I'm happy that Wendy Bernard is back in the mix and, and Eugenie Le Sommer. That is good. That's where these players belong to be, but I just hope it kind of all stays that way, but it seems to be positive uh, from the player's perspective these first couple of days for sure. Yeah. Hopefully they just sort of take all that and sort of ride with that new momentum that, that they've got. Um, 
hopefully there's the hopefully the concept of like a clean slate is is something that exists at the moment for for the coach and and the players um and right when they announced that um this was he was going to be the new manager you and I I know were like okay so this Canada friendly is on it's game on right yeah. like we were very excited about that as well cuz unfortunately um you know these two programs were uh, had similar um disputes but some you know differences as well maybe not with France it was more uh, perhaps coach and, and team culture related and for Canada soccer it's an ongoing dispute with the federation which is just like this very on like un, like familiar storyline that we hear from a lot of programs and unfortunately it just really really sucks that it's some of these really a some really prominent programs and b it's like this is something that we're like talking about in the buildup for the World Cup just months away um, so there was some curiosity of like if, if whether things would kind of get ironed out before these two would have to meet but um canada already in france and these two will go head to head later on it's going to be an exciting uh international window for sure a lot for a lot of teams the last international window um before a final world cup roster is named so we'll keep our eyes on that as well and uh we're gonna look ahead a little bit uh on the united states women's national team side of things uh we're gonna chat about uh, a couple different bits of news there so stick with us after a quick break another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help for your financial to-dos bank of america has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals get started at one of our local financial centers or 24 7 in our mobile banking app Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. All right. The United States Women's National Team Soccer PA has announced some new positions. Turner Davison has uh, replaced Sam U.S. as the third member of the USWNTPA. Uh, Mewis opted to end her four-term tenure as VP slash treasurer, and it's not going to rerun for office in 2023. Uh, and Becky Sauerbrunn will remain president. It is her eighth term uh, at the role, and Crystal Dunn will stay on as uh, vice president secretary for a third term. So congratulations to all the players and their new terms with the P. A. Uh, I uh, I like Davidson in this role. I think folks are they look at that and they're just like, oh, it's a very young player. But um, Jenna Davidson with some experience behind her already at this point. I think we talked about that in the build up to um, this recent international window. How like this player is making their return from a, a lengthy ACL injury. Um, and it's so wild to think about someone like a Davidson or even a Mal Pugh. And these are like still considered younger pieces of this national team program. And yet each of them already have like a World Cup under their belt. Turner Davidson had the also extended experience of going to the Tokyo Olympic Games, earning a bronze medal. Like these are players, even though they're in their early 20s, still have yeah. pretty late. I mean, she was, she was in France. Davidson was in France yeah. as the youngest player on that roster, 20 years old. Um, she's been around, although she is incredibly young still, but she's 24 right now, 25, I believe. She is, she's been around and she's seen a lot. And the fact that she was, um, elected as a, an officer for the national team players association. Like you, you don't just raise your hand and say, Hey, I want to do this. You have to be elected. You're uh, a jury of your peers essentially yeah. has to say, yes, we agree. And we approve of this says how much Davidson does in the locker room on the pitch, off the pitch uh, as a vocal leader, as an organizer. And especially that this comes, this election comes for Davidson. Um, right after she hasn't been there for a year. I mean, she, we just mentioned it. She suffered an ACL tear. She wasn't with the team kind of working her way back in. And that's the kind of imprint and um, status that Davidson has established for herself in this team. Um, so I figured it was important for us to kind of update everyone yeah. on the inner workings of the end of, of the WUSWNTPA uh, and everything that goes Oh, on. yeah. 
100%. And I also like to highlight Tina Davidson. It's already shaping yeah. up to be like a really big year for you, uh, making her return to the pitch. Oh, she um, got engaged, right? She got engaged, yeah. you know, and, and, now, and now she's got a new role with the PA. Everything's coming up, Tierna. You'll, you'll and, love to, to see And it. she was a leader, well, like, throughout college, right? At Stanford, um, won an NCAA titer, title. Uh, she was U.S. Young Player of the Year, U.S. Soccer Young Player of the Year. Like, she's been a leader, and she's been in those roles. So it's it's a natural progression for Davidson. I'm excited to see kind of what else is to come for the PA, for the U.S. soccer and, and for Davidson, for sure. Yeah, love to see it. And like like we mentioned, and congrats also to, to Sarbron and, and Dunn for their extended term. Speaking of Crystal Dunn, we got a uh, kit fashion we got to talk about and we've got some cool images to share with everyone. If you're joining us on our YouTube live today, uh, Nike going ahead and releasing their women's footballing world cup collection and the teams that they, uh, are partnered with. So there's multiple national team programs that had their, uh, kits introduced over the course of this week. Uh, United States, uh, getting their, their home kit released the drip kit essentially i think people are referring to this um let's have some takes i mean i want to hear it in the chat you got to give me a thumbs up or a thumbs down everyone likes to hear and have the the kit fashion discourse so we're bringing it on here as well uh i'm 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 into it i, I like it i like i like the drip kit i i think um but I'm someone that's a little more chill. I think when it comes to, to the kids, doesn't 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 take much. I, I I'm not someone who shies away from um, maybe some like just sort of a simpler kind of design and things like that. But I think what makes this kit for me are all the little different uh, gold accents on it. I like the gold Nike swoosh. Yeah. I mean, they get to have their you know they get to have their World Cup crest on it. But I also really love the gold stars on this as well i think that's a nice little touch to have um in this kit yeah we're getting a lot of thumbs up a lot of i <laughs> likes it a lot of um I, I like it it's growing on me uh we even get a, a sideways thumb so like a half and half i'm gonna say I'm okay getting, i don't know um, you know i respect that I, kind of, I do too this i kind of like it's fine like <laughs> yeah I, I like this one too meh other country kits are better. James, I agree with you on this one. Like I, I like the gold accents for sure that you talked about. Um, I think it's a cool idea. Like the drip kit, it does look like splatter paint, paintball, whatever it may be. It's a little too fun for me, which okay. like, I like having fun, but also yeah. like we're going to the world cup. Like you want to have this is, business. This is like, <laughs> yes, this is all seriousness. I'm, I like the drip kits. Um, I, I do. I think they're super cool, but it kind of reminds me of like the warm up kits for uh, previous with like okay. the blue and the red that are like splatter paint that we saw. Love that for a warm up kit. Uh, for game kit, I just want it to be a little bit more serious, but I agree. I like it. And All then right. we also get the blue kits as well, um, which is this is like Nike through and through with the blue design. And, and I like the little accent uh, at the end of the sleeve. Um, I like this one. I do. Yeah. I like the blue. I know we don't have like a full um, like I don't think we have an image right now of the full effect of the mm -hmm. away kit because the blue kit is essentially supposed to be their away kit. But I love the uh the pattern on the end of the sleeves and it's reflective of the socks that they're yes. wearing as well um and i i like the the pattern throughout it as well um and i'm such i'm such a simp for blue i it's my favorite color i'm just like that's so basic but like i like it and so uh, I, I feel like it, does this maybe lean into more of like the business like yes. the clean i love business? this okay i love the blue i love right. the blue. it's gonna... got really cool accents honestly the blue kit with like the red usa logo in the top corner you can see fantastic fantastic super cool to me um it pops it's got good style to it i like this one a lot Okay. All right. So like I, that was going to be my follow-up. Like if you had a preference, of, if you have a preference of the two and it sounds like the, the blue uh, might be your fave uh, and Lucy's she do like the blue SD Miller also likes the blue. Uh, I love it. I love it. Everyone's uh, engaging with it and uh, what we're talking about. Um, but I mean, it wasn't just USA who had their kids dropped. I mean, there's, there's England who had their kids dropped as well. Um, they've got a, a kind of a light blue going on with geometric pattern. We got a great image of Lauren James up there 
taking a look at uh, all of the cool patterns on, on on that. We've got Canada's kits as well. Let's talk a little bit about the geometric pattern for Canada's kits. Uh, yes, I thumbs like up. This. I love thumbs? this. I think this is super cool. For those that are just listening as a podcast, their, their red kit is geometric shapes uh, throughout the kit with uh, some of the shapes making up a maple leaf and those are a little bit darker. They stand out, but it's really just red and black with mostly red. Um, I think it's very cool. The fact that they yeah. incorporate the maple leaf. I like this got CONCACAF representing here for sure. We, we love to, we love to see it and we love to to talk about it. Um, let us know if you've got a favorite of the Nike kits that were recently released. Um, cool kits for the co-hosts as well. Uh, Australia and New Zealand, part of the reveal in the lineup. There were several teams that mm-hmm. had their kits uh, rolled out with, with Nike. So they're all coming out now that the um, World Cup is just months away. So take a look at uh, all of the uh, cool different designs that have have dropped. Uh, let's keep it with CONCACAF, though. You're talking about, we, we talked a little bit about Canada's kit. We want to talk a little bit about CONCACAF Player Awards to close out the episode. You can vote on these awards. There's a fan vote on CONCACAF.com for CONCACAF Player of the Year. The nominees... United States, Alex Morgan and Sophia Smith are the two nominees for Player of the Year. Uh, But there's also others that we have to acknowledge. Mexico's Alicia Cervantes. We've got Jesse Fleming for Canada, Kadisa Shaw for uh, Jamaica, and Melchi Dumournay for Haiti. T, you love Massive. to see it. We are so excited about that for the young Duvernay. Um, I mean, you can look across all these players, I think, and make a case, really. I know. Yeah, I agree completely. I think Jesse Fleming, I mean, this one's uh, this one's big. I mean, out of Chelsea, um, she had a headline performance this year uh, all over the place for, for Fleming. Um, I mean, but a lot of big names here, a lot of big names. As you mentioned, uh, DuMornay out of Haiti, like historic year for the Haiti women's national team and, and the run that they went on during CONCACAF women's. Uh, championship and and everything that they've been through. I mean, I like that. I like this a lot, but it's all CONCACAF. All these um, awards and these player awards, they're all fan voted. So you can go yeah. to CONCACAF.com, uh, cast your vote as a fan. It, it awards for a percentage of the votes, but hey, every vote counts. Uh, so if you're particularly passionate about any one of these players or any one of these nations that you want to see win, get an award, uh, go to CONCACAF and vote. And no, they didn't tell us to say that. <laughs> that everyone should vote. People are so passionate about these awards and whether their player or their nation doesn't win. Um, you guys have a say in this. Go vote. Yeah. Go go make your voice matter. Yeah, I love to vote. Voting is uh, voting's great. Uh, that's a wrap for us today on A3. We just want to remind everyone, though, that um, it is an international break. And so that means there is a break in play for NWSL as well because the United States women's team is in action. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've got games coming up against Ireland on April the 8th and April the 11th. So we will be back with international United States women's national team previews and recaps. Okay, but that's going to be it for today on A3. Thank you all for listening to Attacking Third. Download, follow, listen to us anywhere you get your podcast. You can watch us too. Subscribe on YouTube to get alerts for whenever we go live at youtube.com slash attacking third. And we'll be back with more this week. For Sandra Herrera and Lisa Roman, this was Attacking Thursday.